Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Do you know what a selfie is? All right. Now, selfie is when someone takes a picture of themselves and takes just the right one and posts it on social media like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram for all the world to see just how awesome they really are. And what tends to happen is that the uh, generation here uh, often mocks and makes fun of the younger generation for taking these selfies. But we need to be honest with ourselves. We can tend to be just as self-focused and want others to know just how awesome we really are and have it all together. There are many in here that like to draw attention to themselves, uh, to put emphasis on what they've accomplished or what they have been through or just how awesome they are. And I just, I'm just going gonna, gonna to admit something right now. I'm going to go ahead and out, out myself. I am very selfish. I spend an inordinate amount of time focusing on myself. And so uh, I want to confess it before you right now. And lest you think I'm awesome. Um, <laughs> now, you may not take selfies, and I doubt that most of you do. Uh, but the image that we often want to project to the world is that we have it together, that we got this life. But an excessive focus on self and your self-image can hinder the relationship you have with God. Because if you're all about self, self-affirmation, self-adoration, self-improvement, then the focus is ultimately on you. But God sees through the charade of the selfie and he sees right to your heart and he knows the truth. He knows that you are a broken and hurting person. And most of what you do when you try to focus on yourself, it's just self-defeating. And you need Christ not only for eternal salvation, but you need him just to make it through the day. God sees through the charade of the selfie. Do you? God sees of what you're trying to project to the world, of having it all together, when you don't. Do you see that as well? And the good news I want to bring to you once again today is that you are far more broken and troubled than you ever want to admit. But in Christ, you can be loved and accepted beyond your wildest hopes and dreams. What we've been doing as we've been going through this book of Galatians, we have been seeing a group of people who are focused on themselves. It's all about these false teachers who were all about the selfie, 
They would work hard at, at getting these religious actions that they would do and try to get others to do in order to be made right before God. And these false teachers are trying to lead the Galatians astray by believing in Jesus, but also becoming circumcised and keeping these dietary laws and observing certain days. And Paul is addressing the Galatians, and he pushes back hard and says that Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Because a person is made right with God through faith alone, by grace alone, and the finished work of Christ alone. And Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And it's this gospel of grace that took hold of this monk named Martin Luther over 500 years ago who felt crushed trying to earn his own salvation before the Lord. And this grace just overwhelmed him that it's through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And it's this gospel of grace that we will celebrate on this Reformation Sunday today. But I'm just going to be honest with you. There will be no celebration for those who keep up the front of the selfie. Let God show you what's going on inside you. Let God show you and in a sense expose you on who you are, who he is, and how much you need him. Not just for eternity, but also for today. And as we go through this text, we're going to see a little contrast here. I'll put it up for you. We're going to contrast the blessed life with the cursed life. It's the blessed life of faith and the cursed life of works. And I hope you're ready to study today and to dive into your Bibles. So let's go for it. Let's start in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6. Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Paul begins by arguing that even Abraham, the father of the Jews, was not relying on the law to be justified by God. He simply believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteous. God promised Abraham numerous descendants, land, and the nations we blessed through him, Abraham heard these promises, he believed them, and God counted and reckoned him as righteous. It's not that Abraham displayed righteousness, but he simply trusted that what God said was true, and God in turn reckoned him or counted him as righteous, even though Abraham was still sinful. Martin Luther, the great reformer, called this simultaneously righteous and sinful simultaneously righteous and sinful Abraham was declared righteous by God yet he still sinned it's the same with us God declares us righteous in Christ and yet we are still sinful and Paul is arguing hey Abraham's got my back what I'm arguing right now to these fellow false teachers who are promoting the Judaism plus Christ plus everything else, he said, Abraham has my back, for he was a believer, a man of faith. This past week, I got to hang out with some men in our church who were Gideons. Basically, they take the Bible around the world so that others may know Christ. And the Gideons take the Bible very seriously. 
But in order to take it seriously, you have to take all of the Bible. And what I'm hoping that we will do here this morning is just pause for a moment and say, okay, if we take the Bible seriously and we know that Abraham is justified by faith, what do we do with the book of James? Let me put it up on the screen for you. James says this in James chapter 2, starting in verse 21. Let me read this to you. James 2, 21 through 24. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. That's in your Bible. <laughs> the same passage quoted here is quoted in Galatians from Genesis 15:6, And the conclusion reached by James um, is that Abraham was justified by works and by Paul it was Abraham was justified by faith alone. And you've you got to say, whoa, 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 is this a biblical contradiction? Context is important, right? The argument that James is making, if you read it, is that mental assent alone to certain facts is not real faith. If that were the case, then demons would be believers because they know the truth about God. Real and true faith act on what it believes. This means that James is using the word justified in a different sense. In the, concept, in the context of James, it doesn't mean declare righteous, but show to be righteous. And the context supports this by referring to an event later in Abraham's life when he acted to sacrifice Isaac. In this event, he was shown to be righteous. So get this, put it together. Paul says that we are saved by faith that is alone, not works. And James, when you read his book, is arguing that a true faith will act. True faith is a working faith. There is no contradiction here. If you truly believe, you will express obedience and fruits. No contradiction. But if it troubles you, keep studying it. Keep studying it. So let's get back to Paul's argument, all right? Back to Galatians. Galatians 3, verse 7. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The two of the true descendants of Abraham, I mean, some of the, the, uh, the false teachers would say, well, the true descendants of Abraham are of those who are physical descent. And Paul is arguing, no, the true children of Abraham are not of physical descent, but those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Abraham's true children are those who have faith in Christ. That's why you sing the silly song at VBS for the past 50 years. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, right arm, all right? So you guys remember that? And you spin around. Okay, You're like, what is that song all about? Oh, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. 
And this is how it all ties together. Look at how it ties together. Look at verse 8 and 9. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel before him to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. You see, God even had his heart on the Gentiles and the nations in the Old Testament. Because the promise to Abraham quoted here is from Genesis 12, 3. All the nations will be blessed in you. How is that possible? How are the nations going to be blessed in Abraham? Because a certain seed would come along, a descendant of Abraham, and his name would be Jesus Christ. And those who have faith in Jesus Christ can become children of Abraham and receive the blessings of Abraham. Once again, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone. And I I don't want to go into this too much, but salvation throughout the entire Bible is always by grace alone, through faith alone. It's not Old Testament people are saved by works. Nope. It's grace alone, faith alone. And now the blessings of Abraham can also be for us. Let's get specific. Why don't you jump down to verse 14? Jump down to verse 14. Look at the blessings. Verse 14 says, In order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If I'm reading this right, it's saying, In Christ we have received the blessing of of Abraham. And we know the bigger picture, that this blessing of Abraham means that we get to have a, a relationship with God by faith. It means no condemnation. It means eternal life, adoption into the family, the promise of the Spirit. The Spirit guides us and convicts us and comforts us. We have these, these riches in Christ that we could go on all day about the blessings and the riches we have in Christ, this blessing of Abraham that is ours by faith in Christ. And these riches are beyond any riches this world could ever offer. This past week, there was a lottery, around $1.6 billion. Now, I just want you to know that I refuse to play the lottery, but I don't mind if my family and friends play and share if they win with me. (laughs) Anyone here from South Carolina? I want to get to know you afterwards. Uh, I'm just kidding, sort of. (laughs) But let's think about this. We are told from the Bible that the blessed life in Christ, this blessing of Abraham, is better than winning the lottery, okay? So we have forgiveness, eternal life, you're a new creature, looking ahead to your new creation, free from sickness and death, no condemnation, acceptance with God. I mean, I could keep going on forever, okay? But you've got to be really honest. Be honest with yourself. God sees, God sees. Be honest. There is something in me and many of us who would be far more excited about winning the lottery. Like, if you won the lottery with 1.6 billion, you'd be thinking about, yeah, what am I going to do? And you're so excited. And I'm like, you got something better. You got something better. And you're like, I don't feel it. I don't feel, I don't believe that. Why? Why? Why would we be more excited about winning the lottery 
than all the surpassing blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. Why? I think maybe it's because we forgot the cursed life we have been redeemed from. And that's where we get to go right now. Look at the cursed life. It's in here. May this wake you up. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practiced them shall live by them. Okay, stick with it, stick with it. So the Galatians should not abandon faith and turn to the law to be made right with God because it leads to the judgment of God. As it says here, the law is not of faith. And those who pursue the law to be made right with God are under a curse, which means they are under the wrath and the curse of God. Why? Because no one can obey the law perfectly. No one. No one can be a good enough person to stand in God's presence. In fact, look what it says in verse 10, which is a quote of Deuteronomy 27, 26. It says, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. You get it? If you've broken one command, you've broken them all. You, you cannot pick and choose and say, well, I've been a good person. Uh, I've, I've done most of the things right. I got my, what's good is going to outweigh what's bad. I'm going to stand before God. He's going to say, all right, I'm going to let you in. No, no, you break one law, you break them all. If I break one link in my bike chain, that's all that matters. It will not work. I will go nowhere. Just breaking one command of God you have failed to keep the whole law and you are under the judgment and curse of God someone has said it's not like bowling and knocking over a bowling pin one at a time like you break a commandment you break a commandment you break a commandment said it's not like that it's it's like the shattering of a pane of glass when it gets broken the whole pain the whole law is broken this is something that's very important to understand especially as we're sharing the gospel no matter what disney may tell you there are no good people in god's sight and when you watch a disney movie and it says follow your heart just scream don't do it don't do it there's no good people in god's sight no matter how good our selfies look we have broken the law, we have clipped the chain, we've shattered the glass, and there's no way back on our own. We are doomed under the wrath and curse of God. And a person is never, ever going to see the need for Christ until they see their sin. Someone once said, the gospel only sounds good to a heart that knows it's bad. The gospel only sounds good to a heart that knows it's bad. I'm going to tell you a true story. There was an executive pastor and his wife whose house caught on fire. Five o'clock in the morning, it was raining. He and his wife got out. Firefighters came, paramedics and everything. 
They're standing on their driveway, and this young EMT is standing right next to them because the EMT was instructed, I guess, to stand by the residents of the home until it was all over with. So they're standing in the driveway, young EMT, and the wife notices that there is some responders just standing around in her house. And she turns to the EMT, and she says, can I get some pictures? And the young EMT said, "Uh, well... I guess so. Where should I stand? (laughs) He's thinking she wants a selfie with him when she just wants to go in the house and get pictures. Things were burning and it's all about him. And and that's what the false teachers are doing and all who rely on themselves. It's all all about them. But the gospel only sounds good to a heart that knows it's bad. It'll never be good news to you unless you know that you need that. So here's the good news in our last verse of the day. Look at it. Look at it. It's so good. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed it is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now don't move too fast from this. This is a quote from Deuteronomy 21, 23. And in the context, in the Israelite community, a a person committing a sin uh, uh, deserving of death would be stoned to death and then their body would be hung on a tree or impaled on a tree to show, you see, the curse and the wrath of God is on that person. They broke the law and now they're bearing the, the curse and wrath of God. But this verse, what does it tell us? That it's not us who are cursed and hung on the tree, but it says Christ became a curse for us. Notice again, it doesn't just say Christ took the curse, took the punishment in our place, but he actually became a curse for us and was hung on the tree of the cross. Meaning that God viewed Christ as a sinner on the cross and punished in your place. And in turn, you are clothed in righteousness by faith. It's a complicated word. It's that, that thing we call double, double imputation. But don't be, don't be thrown off by that because it's really easy to understand. A great passage to think about is one in Corinthians. It's in, it's in 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So here's the simplicity. Jesus was cursed as a sinner on the cross and by faith you in turn are counted righteous. This blessing is ours by faith. Once again, a person is declared righteous by grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone. Christ gets all the sin And we get all his righteousness. And I know that there may be some of you here this morning that you're just here visiting and you've never, uh, you maybe never put your faith in Christ. And you're not quite sure what you're thinking about this grace thing. Could it be true? Because the reality is uh, few things in life come as a gift. Can you imagine when you were going to college, if you went, that basically the college could say to you, You know, you skipped all your classes and done none of your work, but here is your diploma. Doesn't work like that. 
You don't get a diploma as a gift. You work for it. And for some of you guys, when you were trying to um, get your wife to marry you many years ago and did a really poor job, maybe you did no job at all, and your wife, your wife-to-be comes up to you and says, you have not wooed me or wowed me, but I'm yours forever. <laughs> Doesn't work like that, right? You have to work for her hand in marriage. That's the way few things come as a gift. You have to work for it. Just think back on your life. Think of all the things you've had to work for, whether it's degree, degrees or parenting or children or promotions or all these sacrifices you have made. Basically, you just want to take a selfie and show the world, right? But salvation is not like that. It's not like that. Salvation is not gained by effort, but it's to be received by gift, by faith. God is not waiting for you to get it together. For some of you who have said, you know what, I'll start following Christ once I get my life together. Well, I guess you'll never start following him because you won't get it together. It's okay. And in fact, I would say on Sunday morning when you come here, do not think that you have to come here and set all your stuff and junk aside that somehow you're going to leave it at the door, you're going to walk in and worship the Lord, and then you're going to pick up your issues on the way out. From now on, you're invited to bring them in. Because that's part of you. And God wants to deal with that. He wants to show you his grace and mercy, not only for eternal life, but the grace and mercy that you need today. And if you are going through maybe a, a, a dull time of your life or a numb time of your life where the gospel doesn't sound too exciting, but the lottery sounds a lot more exciting, I want to give you some things to think about. Just two simple things. In fact, you know, you think about stuff you got to do with sermons, and you think, okay, are we actually going to do them? I mean, I, I'm assuming that most of you take some of the things that we talk about doing. You may do a little bit of it, but this week, this week, it's going to be different because the bar is set really low. <laughs> I just want to think about some things that are going to stir you up to recount the blessings of God and see yourself the way you really are. So that's two things I'm gonna leave you with. I want you to recount the blessings of God, the salvation blessings in Christ, and I want you to see yourself for who you really are. So let me start with the first one. The first one is recount the blessings, and it has to do with Walmart, all right? It's the last place in the world that seems like a blessing, but this is gonna, this is gonna be good. I want you to imagine that you go into Walmart. Let's just say I, I went to Walmart and I, I'm going to go back, and what I want to do, I want to take back everything I've ever purchased at Walmart. Ever. History of my life. So I take back all my worn-out clothes, banana peels, destroyed TVs, all those dirty diapers for all those kids. I mean, I'm taking it all back. Empty cereal boxes and Coke cans, and I'm just... Everything you've ever bought from Walmart, you just take it back. And in an unprecedented move, Walmart takes all that junk and just gives you unlimited store credit forever. Now take that analogy before God. You have made a wreck of your lives and have sinned before a holy God. And through faith in Christ, we are forgiven and Christ gets all the sin. And God will not count your sin against you. Instead, 
you get credited with the righteousness of Christ forever. And this is what I want to happen to you this week. I want Walmart to trigger you. I want Walmart to be this gospel trigger that when you go in that place this week, you will start recounting the salvation blessings of God. That you can think through. I mean, even if you show up to Walmart and go, I don't know what the pastor wants me to do. I forgot. Just start being thankful and grateful for what God has done in your life. It is far better than any lottery that you would ever win. Guarantee you. Recount the salvation blessings of God. Now, the second thing I want you to do is to see yourself for who you really are. You're simultaneously righteous and sinful. Take a look at yourself and remind yourself that that person you're looking at is completely loved and accepted by God, completely righteous by faith in Christ. God is not against you. He is not condemning you. He welcomes you and loves you. But that person you're looking at is also still a mess, and you need Christ, grace, you need God in your life every single day. And the good news is, it will always be available to you. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922 0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.